Something's wrong, CJ. Hello, and welcome everyone uh, who is listening, watching, and engaging with our Gen Z podcast uh, here on Generational Change. Uh, we appreciate you coming out. Today we have me, as usual, uh, who is CJ, who's he, him, and then I'm accompanied by... I'm Brayden, coming to you from Wisconsin. And Sam, right here with Jen in the studio. Yes, I am the odd person out. I realize that. I'm really just here to moderate the computer situation for you guys. So go ahead. The less I do, the better. So uh, today's topic for everyone who is listening is going to be on uh, gun control, gun regulation, gun exhaustion, and it's going to be playing much more into the feelings uh, of just what it has been like uh, growing up with this world of shootings being on the regular. So the first thing that I have instead of going over our uh, normal notable stories is I want to ask my fellow members something that I have thought about quite a bit, which is how do you think that you are going to die? So you have a top three, that is what I have. What do you think are your three most likely ways? And this will can be you know, die as soon as within a year to, you know, on your deathbed a hundred plus years from now, who knows? Well, you know, I've never really thought of it too deep, but I'm going to hope that it involves a lion somehow. Cause you know, if I'm going out, it's going to be with a show. <laughs> I have to, I have to say, I haven't thought as much about how, as much as when I, I feel like I give a lot more thought to, you know, how old will I be than how I will die? But, um, but I, I would have to hope that it's somewhat peaceful and maybe asleep or something where I don't really know what's going on. And uh, well, that's the dream. Sam. Yeah. As I get, <laughs> as I get older, let me tell you on behalf of gen X and older, the dream is to just die in your sleep. Yeah. That's, we, we all want that. Yeah. That's, that's the dream. So yeah. yeah. Nobody wants to feel that. End, no, I think. But I think there must be a point to that, CJ. What is the point of that? Yes. Uh, for me, it I, I, I have three main reasons. Uh, the first is I might die in a car accident. Uh, so be drunk driving, be, you know, some someone hits me off the road, be someone's texting. That high motorization speed can definitely lead to my demise. The next would be a heart attack, uh, dying of some sort of heart-related issue. This is something that runs in my family, but is also very common in America. Uh, but the third is upmost uh, in the data here, which is by some sort of gun-related incident, um, be you know being shot by someone who knows me, doesn't know me stranger, mass shooting, one-off incident, road rage, anything. And the reason why I feel this way is because that is what our data shows. Uh, Jen, if you can pull up our yeah. data. Which one am I, which one do you, which one do you? The uh, one to 18. Uh, it would, uh, we, we have to pull up for us is the number one, sorry, the top five causes of death. Oh, okay. Here it is. Here it is. For this is what we're talking ages about. Yeah. One to 18. Yes. Is this what we're, okay. Yep. Okay. Um, and if you zoom in uh, to that, I'm not sure if we're Hold able on. to. Let me see if I can. No, not that one. Here. This we can one. see that. I don't see how to do that. Wait, unless I, you mean just on the graph? Control. I don't know that I can. Control and then scroll down. Control? Yep. I, I don't know. I am just scrolling down. What you mean on the, you got to like hold down on the graph? I don't know. That I don't That's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I, yeah. This is so, definitely out of my league here. That's oh. fine. But this is top five causes of death for children ages one to 18 as percentage of all causes of death. And look how close motor vehicle. Oh, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> So on, on this graph, for those who are listening, 
for the longest time, motor vehicle incidents was the number one cause of death. That makes sense. We are exposed to vehicles every single day. We do not have nearly as much train infrastructure as we normally would. Uh, but luckily, cars, due to regulations, have gotten safer and safer over time. In 2020, gun-related incidents, which also does include incidents of suicide, surpassed surpassed for children are yes uh suicide is the number one i mean suicide is the big gun death is the big uh, cause uh, of gun oh well but for that is a that is a portion of uh, gun deaths but yeah. i'm just saying that to, to to clarify these are not all shootings these are deaths where the causes bullet yes um, had surpassed cars in 2020 and has continued to go up and up and up. How was that not a bigger deal in 20 when that happened? It was something that was talked about. I I mean, but, at this point, I feel like we're just all so like desensitized. But I, I, I wanted to leave this to my uh, other co-hosts to get their initial reactions. Were you guys aware of this? being the leading cause. And also the, the other uh, things on this list, uh, just for those who are yeah. curious, curious yeah. is you have Absolutely. suffocation, which makes sense, especially among uh, like young toddlers and infants. I think uh, you have cancer. Uh, I think it's interesting that cancer hasn't changed at all, despite all the money you keep throwing going, into that. It just went down. I was uh, just very down, little. Down a couple but, of points in the last few years. But, but look, at, oh, yeah. since for the, really not very um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, Poisoning is up. Poisoning went way up. Poisoning is up over suffocation. Yeah, look at that in poisoning. poisoning I wonder doubled. what are they including with poisoning that? almost doubled. All right, we're getting way off of guns. Yeah. Sorry about that, but it's like it's hard not to notice. Yeah, that's that. a weird. That's weird. Yes. So our top five causes are vehicle-related incidents, gun-related incidents, cancer, suffocation, and poisonings. Yeah. So. Initial thoughts uh, from, I, I have been very aware of this uh, since it did. Did you know it was your cross. number one cause of death? Well, technically it isn't because you guys are over 18. Well, this is really measuring 18, 18, 18, but yeah. But, but I would imagine that like 18 to 24. Right, no, I, I agree. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. young people are not generally dying from natural causes. So um, I, I I think it does, it does uh, unfortunately seem to, go coincide with the rise in gun ownership that we saw, especially during the pandemic, which I compiled a couple of statistics about because um, it says that during like the COVID-19 pandemic, there was an increase of 44% in background checks uh, for an example period of July, 2020 over July of the previous year. Um, and that just in that month, there were 3.6 million instant background checks, according to the FBI national instant background check, like database. Um, Do you think that that, that that's the link to where it switched over to be like, you're saying you think that there's, that's, that sounds smart. Like that there's a correlation from the number of increased gun ownership during the pandemic to this yeah. switching over to be that's in. Yeah. Well, it, mean, it was also around the exact same time as the George Floyd uh, okay, unfolded yeah. in that, in that summer. And that was a particularly I think unrestful summer in the United States yeah. uh, between the pandemic and the black lives matter. Um, and, and so you definitely had a huge response, just the numbers bear it out. Um, it, you know, it wasn't just 44% more background checks in that year. It was also that, um, there was, there was a, a huge, yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't just, it was a huge sale of gun, but it wasn't just the fact that there's uh, a, Every year or every time there's a major mass shooting in a particular state, there tends to be a large increase in the um, in the preponderance of gun existing gun owners going out and purchasing more firearms. And, oh yeah, current customers and, are your best. Yeah, yeah, customers. current customers, right? And, and 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 that tends to happen after mass shootings because they fear that there's going to be some sort of restriction put in place when there's a large upswell of of public support for it after a shooting. Um, but what they found was that in 2020, that that actually bucked the trend that year and that um, more, almost half of the 
purchasers in 2020 were new gun owners who had never owned a firearm before, which is much higher than the usual proportion of people who go out uh, when there's a public, when there's like an emergency. And so there was a huge increase in the proportion of Americans that were owning guns. It's saying that like 30% of American adults now own a gun and 40% live in a household with a gun. So that's it. That's, you know, the new gun owners are adding to that proportion. Yes. And to add to that, uh, as of 2021, uh, there has been uh, over 465 million guns that are in circulation. Uh, that is not saying that every single person owns a gun. Uh, you have a lot of people that, again, are repeat buyers, uh, but there are currently more guns than people in this nation. Yeah. So that's interesting. I mean, CJ had, or Braden, had you guys even thought about like what that was in 20, where that caused the shift? Well, I want to say the way that I found out about that statistic about how gun violence became the number one cause of death, get ready, you're going to be even more infuriated in case you didn't have enough already. Because of that, now insurance companies are selling special policies just for gun violence if you're in an accident, and they're raising rates for all policies and plans that cover gun violence and gun-related accidents. So I mean, there we go. Now we have the gun violence and the corporate greed. So it's our little progressive fiesta. Oh, my but, God. Oh, my. Come on, people. It's the gun, stupid. Yeah, I mean, you we can't even. Us to spell it out for you. We know it. You know it. It's obvious. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, you can't even expect anything otherwise from an insurance company. I mean, they are, you know, their job actuarially is to predict the, the, cause of the largest risks to the public or to their to their insurance pool and if gun violence is you know a part of that mix they're just responding to the to the circumstances it's not even like you know there's some secret profit to be made it's just the certain nature of it that's crazy though like i had heard that the other day and i and i didn't realize when it had actually happened i didn't realize it was in 20 when it crossed over yes and again the the other thing that i will uh, clarify is that it's not gun violence. It is incidents with guns. Uh, this right. also, again, includes suicides. It includes a three-year-old got the loaded gun in the safe and accidentally shot their sibling. Uh, it is, you know... That counts to me. That, that counts. Gun, absolutely. It is gun-related gun The idea of splitting hairs between gun violence and gun deaths is silly. I, uh, we don't need to, we don't need so, to make that distinction. Suicide should be way more like of an issue for people than it is in terms of that number. I think people need to realize that, but all of that to me is if there's a bloody mess on the floor, that's gun violence. Well, and also, um, the presence of a gun is, is way more, is probably way more likely to increase the success, the success rate of suicidal people. Like Correct. somebody who's suicidal, who has a gun in their presence is way more likely to probably go through with it than somebody who doesn't, who's suicidal, you know? So that's the bigger, most prominent risk yeah. I think is handgun suicides. That's, yeah. that's what we see the most of, of young people. I think it isn't the mass shootings that's taking the largest numbers of, of young people. And, and my point with bringing that up is to say, oh, well, you know, it's criminals that are the problem. Uh, it is, you know, this imaginary, you know, people can break this law, that law. Um, having just no red flag laws uh, implemented, having minimal regulation implemented, uh, you have not only the shooting side uh, of mass shootings, uh, but just the presence of uh, weapons of death and, and the populace is a pretty major issue. Uh, again, not talking about the rest of the demographics and how they're likely to die. Another thing that I want to bring up, and this is uh, from the, five, the 38 uh, Politics podcast, is where they cited it uh, based off of their polling data, is that even amongst uh, the Republicans, you have 23% of the general GOP, uh, according to polls, are in favor of stricter gun control regulation. Uh, but when you take only into account Gen Z uh, Republicans, they are, perhaps, let me just look at it again, uh, they are 39% in favor 
of having more restrictive gun laws. The other two categorizations saying that the gun uh, restrictions as they are today are fine or should be lessened. Wait, uh, when you're comparing Gen Z, you're com- and you're saying okay that there's clearly it's more some millennials and Gen Z. Okay, so uh, millennials versus Gen Z, you're comparing no, millennials what- and Gen Z. Okay, compared to uh, okay, so be Gen X, boom, everyone else. I don't uh, like being lumped in with the boomers. I'd rather be lumped in with the millennials and the Gen Zers. I don't understand Gen why X, I get jumped in. It's okay, in you're one of the cool it, ones. We're, it, it's it's simply for. The, the the thing that was being measured here. Okay. Uh, I'm just saying I'm a lot closer mentally to the, the younger people than the older people. We just, you know. But not all and, not all the and, and, <laughs> No, and, that's and we can have a, a, a discussion um at a future podcast about talking about, you know, the dangers of trying to create an entire narrative about you know lumping everything together into generations. Yeah. It's like younger voters, I believe it's we're 60 to 70 percent more likely uh, to vote for uh, like basically the uh, Dems. That's still 30 percent that is not, uh, you know, voting like that. And that is a still proportion of millions of people, uh, just as there are people who are, you know, boomers or even for silent generation that still have consistently voted Democrat every single year that they've been able to vote. Um, but that, but that is a, a conversation where yeah, uh, my point was- with bringing up this statistic, uh, is talking about how there is a very big shift, even of the party that is been in the way of passing all these, uh, laws that our generation is sick and tired of it. So again, to open up the discussion of how, you know, how are we, feeling with gun control in general. I personally, uh, in an ideal world, would like to be a gun abolitionist, but that I recognize is not something that is able to happen at all. But having any sort of red flag laws, having limits on magazines, having those other limits is something that I'm very much uh, in favor of. Because again, I'm concerned with that. But I just want to, again, open it up. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I mean... Like, I want reasonable gun control. I don't consider myself anti-gun at all. I mean, I'm pro-gun. If you are mentally stable, if you do not have a history of violence, sure, get a handgun. If you want it for protection, if you want it for hunting or for going to the shooting range on a Saturday, that's totally fine. But A, you have to show that you're stable. You have to show that you're not going to go out and kill a bunch of people, that you don't have a history of domestic violence. Those are the red flag laws that CJ is talking about that we don't have that basically every single other country has. And I mean, as far as assault rifles go, look, you can have a handgun for protection, for recreation, you can have a rifle for hunting. The only reason you have an assault rifle is because you want to kill 50 people in five minutes. There's basically no other purpose for an assault rifle other than, hey, maybe it looks cool if you hang it up in your garage. There I'm is. Awesome. So I'm also going to address the protection portion uh, later because I, I disagree with the handgun for protection part in terms of how it. Oh, statistically speaking, you're most likely to die by your own handgun in your house than you will ever be able to use it for protection. Yeah, but that's, again, just, that's why I don't own one. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I think if you do make the decision that you want to have a firearm, You need to invest in the security, put it in a safe, something that no children can, no children can have access to, whether that's because there's a lock or something like that. Um, Something that somebody breaks into your house, they're not going to have access. Basically that only you can access it. Yeah. What are your Um, thoughts on guns? Well, (laughs) guns in general, I mean, I I think there's so many nuanced discussions to be had about guns. And and I am certainly by no means an industry expert. Uh, I I have shot an AR-22, but, and and probably some BB guns when I was a kid. But beyond that, I'm I'm by no means an expert. And uh, so I, I don't like to comment on the, the, differences in brands and the, you know, the differences in models and, 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 the damage that they can do. I mean, I, I'm aware of the, of the 
of the specific danger of like automatic and semi-automatic and just their ability to kill at this at the velocity and speed that they can kill um much more than any sort of hunting weapon or weapon that you could even viably use for personal protection. I mean, you're not going to use a weapon that can, that can mow down 30 people in 30 seconds as, for any sort of personal protection. I mean, you're never going to be in a situation where 30 people are threatening your life at the same time. I mean, unless you're like being chased by a mob and you're like the president or something. I mean, I, you know, I really don't know when that would be a viable option. And, and in that case, those people are probably likely to be armed and get to you first, you know, just statistically. So it, it's not, I was curious about, about, um, internationally how this, how this bears out. And, you know, I guess somewhat unsurprisingly, so the U S does have a very high. So I, one thing we were talking about suicides at the beginning, um, in the United States, about 63% of firearm deaths in 2019 were suicides. So, uh, you know, that, that does seem to be like the main source of, of our gun death problem, uh, However, you know, as far as per capita, like per 100,000 residents, the top 10 countries with the highest rates of violent gun death were all in Latin America. And that is largely Venezuela's number one. And, and most of that is concentrated in sort of the drug trafficking industry and the gang, you know, just gang and cartel violence, into it, which is why those countries stand out on a global scale. Um, the top 10 countries are all in Latin America and almost and then the United States is, is very high up there along with Iraq and a few other ones, but most of the rest of the world outside of the Americas really doesn't have anywhere near the per capita gun death rate that we do, um, including sub-Saharan Africa, South a Southeast Asia. You know, we're not talking about, about uh, image for that, the Britain. Yeah, do you want yeah. to pull that up? So I'm, I'm reading this sure. now. And it, it's not, it's, so it's not a matter of economic development. It's not to say that, um, you know, lesser developed countries somehow automatically have higher rates of gun violence. They don't it really varies regionally. I mean, uh, the top 10 countries are uh, per capita, not obviously in absolute terms, actually Brazil is number one and US is number two, but that's in like absolute terms. That's just because those countries have huge populations that we want to talk about. So I think it's not really accurate to do that. You got to look per capita. Yeah. Well, this and one is the school one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, school, more yeah. Schools. yeah school is, is unbelievable. We, we, yeah. we, blow it out of the water on every metric when yeah. it comes to schools. Because again, like those other countries, El Salvador is number one, Venezuela, Guatemala, Colombia, Brazil, all those countries, most of that gun violence is concentrated in, in the drug trafficking industry. It's not in school shootings and, and spontaneous shootings. It's mostly yeah. concentrated yeah. in person-to-person in -person violence. So, and Jen, you can scroll down uh, to show the actual numbers here. And hold on a second. Okay. Earlier today, there it is. Okay. Earlier today, uh, you, you were saying that, well, I'm not an expert on guns, so therefore I don't feel as comfortable with talking about, you know, this gun, that gun, etc. Uh, my question is, and it's directly related to this, is have you had to go through the shooter drills? Did you have active shooter drills in school? And were you public or private? That changes things because I was public school. You went to public school. Yeah, I went, to, went to I I went to all public schools and charter schools, but public schools. Yeah, and um, and I'm trying to remember my senior year of high school. We had the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting right here in Broward County, um, which was a very very big deal here. Prior uh, to that, did you guys have shooter drills? We had bomb threats, and and we did have to evacuate the school for bomb threats. I'm trying to remember. So what you're CJ? Ever... So in California, we probably that did. is what you're saying that when you yep. were having active shooter drills. Yes. So I had to go through, uh, and and the community that I was in was very affluent, uh, still a public area, but yeah. somewhere where it'd be unlikely to have a shooter. However, there still was a shooter drill. When I went to college, which was here in Florida, granted it was a private university, the one of the things that we had to do <coughs> is go and do assemblies on what to do for an active shooter situation. When I had my first job, which was at a movie theater, I had to go and do training of what to do in the case of an active shooter situation. This chart and the places of where 
should there be safety is one of the biggest reasons why I feel the way that I feel when it comes to gun regulation, because it is something that is, we should be prepared for it, but then is just a minor anxiety for at least me going in and talking to places. Brandy, do you have experience with shooter yeah. guns? Have you had to go through that? And would you like to share any part of your experience with it? So I went to public schools my whole life. And I remember starting the active shooter drills in, I want to say 2012 or 11. It was right after the Sandy Hook massacre. I mean, let's yeah. be real. It wasn't a shooting. It was a massacre. Yeah. And ever since then, I will give my school district credit. They were always on top of it. We would practice it at least two times a semester. So I always knew what to do um, last year. So I'm a freshman in college right now. I was a high school senior. There was actually the alarm went off. And because of what happened at the Florida shooting, I want to say Stoneman Douglas. Yeah, that's near us. Um, obviously what happened was the shooter pulled the fire alarm and used that to get the most amount of people out. So we had a rule at my school that if the fire alarm went off, you do not leave your room at all. You go and you lock the door and you hide in the corner and then they see if there's a fire or if it's a shooter. So one random, I think like February day last year, I was out in the hallway walking to the bathroom, coming back to class. The fire alarm goes off. We have no idea what's going on. Our teachers would always tell us whenever we were going to have a drill. Nobody told us what was happening. So we all thought in our minds that it could be a real legit shooting. And I just remember the panic thinking like, I'm in the halls. I'm exposed out here. Like if someone comes in, I'm going to be the first one. Um, thankfully, it turned out just to be a maintenance error. But I still remember that feeling thinking like, we have all of the training in the world we do these drills all the time. We have all of the resources. And here I am thinking that this could be my last moment because I decided to go use the bathroom. Yeah. And yeah, so my, and if, if, do you have something that you want to say? I, I just, well, my, my only thing that I wanted to say is that when I remember listening to one of the teachers um, that was in the hospital after Uvalde, the gentleman who was just like, he was, that man will never, I don't know how he's going to exist in this world now. His whole class was killed. But, you know, him sitting there and saying, we did do shooting drills. We were trained for this. We did everything we were supposed to do. Yeah, there's nothing they can do. And, and, that, and that to me is what's very telling. So he followed all their rules and it yep. doesn't make a bit of difference. It, you Because you're not going to, like, what is a teacher, you know, an unarmed, and I'm not saying armed teacher. Oh yeah, well, right. Yeah, don't, saying, don't put that out I'm there. I'm saying, but what is an unarmed or anybody, just, you know, in the classroom going to do with uh, a megalomaniac with a, with a semi-automatic, like th there's nothing, it doesn't matter how many I, drills. I don't care if it's okay, a handgun versus a semi-automatic. But then look at what happened but, in Uvalde. Now right. we know what a whole bunch of police officers do. They stand outside and don't do jackety jack right. shit. Right. Um, and so that of course shoots down the idea that if we only had more good guys with guns, if we only had more guns, if we only had more officers in school, no, we had a whole bunch of them standing there while kids were getting killed. The way that I view the whole in as far as you know my personal experience which i mean again is not i i don't like to use it as a reflection but everything to me and this is probably just because of where i'm from changed after february 14th of 2018 like i will never forget that day it it, it, it was truly one of the most harrowing days to be like living here in south florida and to be going to school i was at school that day i used to compete in debate tournaments at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas all the time. I was, I was at a debate tournament there like just a few months after the shooting too, where we were doing all these vigils. Um, and like that day was, was truly terrifying because I, I was on the bus home from school and like, I grew up maybe about 30 minutes away from there. And I was on the bus home from school and I went to work that day. I was, I was working at a math tutoring center after school. And so I actually didn't know what had gone on until, uh, like I, I had heard a vague notification or something on the bus home from school about, about like a shooting in Florida, but I went to work, I was in a hurry. And then I, when I got to work, I heard like the parents talking about, oh my God, did you hear what just happened? Blah, blah, blah. And then it wasn't until I got home that night that I even realized what, you know, what had gone on. And you're kind and, of lucky that you didn't though. Yeah, like you're kind of lucky yeah. that you weren't in and, it at the moment. And then when yeah. it went 
when it happened. And then the next morning, I actually had to leave for a debate tournament in Boston, like the very next morning, I remember, and which Stoneman Douglas was supposed to be competing with us in on the circuit. And obviously the team never made it, but but we had to spend that whole time just turning on the news and seeing like all these kids who were, and I was a senior in high school, so I'm the exact same age as like David Hogg and Cam Caskey, all those kids from March for Our Lives, yeah. like they were all immediately getting on TV. And so they were basically like our classmates. And, and it was very bizarre to, to just have that all happen. And then when I got back, it was, we had walkouts at my school day after day. Um, yeah. we, we had marches to Tallahassee. I went the following month to DC for the March for Our Lives where there was a million people on the National Mall marching with, you know, it, it was, it was a very, it was like a, a really ground changing time. I feel like to be a young person, because not only did it just happen in my community, but I feel like it, it surged that whole March for our lives movement. and really was like the school shooting to end all school shootings. So we thought obviously, well, I was going to ask you, so yeah. how do you feel now? Fast and, forward. And, and I feel like, so I feel like my whole life has been broken up into like pre and post Stoneman Douglas, because since then is when I've become so much more aware, not just of that issue, but but feel the presence of the gun violence like way more in my life. I, I feel the tension more. I feel like it, it really changed after that period. And also like when the pandemic started where it, it really does it, the, the I, I feel like the threat is so much more palpable now, like in a way that I don't remember it being before yeah. 2018, I, you know, at least for me, I'm sure it's different for everybody. And um, but that's it, exactly what my point is. And again, to, to you, for or when you were talking earlier, it's like, oh, I don't feel like I'm an expert. I know bullet is a bullet, and that is something that can end. And you life. don't want it going into your person. That's what you know. That's as much of an expert as you need to be. Right. You yep. don't have to know. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I another thing that I want to say, you know, we have school shootings. Just in terms of shootings uh, of this year. Um, yeah. This is as of 4-17-2023, we've had over 163 shootings. Now, granted, the United States is a big area, big population, and I understand that. 163, what kind of shootings are we talking about? Shootings. That is what I have categorized. Okay. But we've had more than one. We've had a shooting that's been more than a shooting a day than there have been days in the year. Yeah. And when we go and we protest and we try to do things uh, like this is, you know, back going back, this has been a story that we've covered on and off a, a few times with our Tennessee lawmakers. And that was actually supposed to be one of our key stories uh, before the rest of this week happened. I was talking about, well, what did they get expelled for other than the you know, racism and because they didn't have the majority and there was two thirds enough to kick them out. Uh, they were protesting gun violence. And this is something that we are exhausted on. Now to those who might try to say, well, great. You know, you've been traumatized, but CJ, you sound like you've been you know, very fortunate, very lucky. You've been able to go and be in these areas where it's like, you're probably not going to get shot. That's been my saving grace mentally too. Uh, and then we had more stories from this week. <clears throat> and I, and I yet have, that's privilege that you recognize. Like you all do, right? Like serious privilege yeah. that where you live, you are less likely. I'm not saying not at all likely, but like based on your privilege, less likely. Yeah, I, I've been threatened with a gun and I live in, and I've grown up very privileged. It's it, it's not, but it didn't happen in my home, but it was, but. but no, it doesn't mean it never happened. Right. I'm just saying so, you, you right. are less likely gun, to gun, have a gun, gun violence issue. Yeah. 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 What, what, what my point is with the stories that I have prepared for us. Yes. Is that it isn't, a matter of privilege in the okay. areas because you can still be doing nothing. Which one? I have three stories up? that we're going to be talking about. There's actually a fourth that came out yesterday that I did not have when I was preparing for this. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to just share three stories, okay. get reactions, talking, and then explanation. So the biggest story uh, from last week is a black teenager was 13 or is 13 he's still alive luckily and he was shot because he was trying to pick up one of his siblings and he rung the doorbell 
the man shot him and then walked outside and shot him again. He miraculously survived, but his crime, his home invasion, so to speak, what it was said that, oh, I thought that he was trying to rob the house by, by the person who shot him, was he <laughs> rung the wrong doorbell. Then we have another story. There are two 16-year-old cheerleaders. At their crime of getting shot was they went to go to their car. They went to the wrong car because it was similar model. Whoops. I'm reading in the so name. then they closed the door He's about. and they walked back to their car, got in it. The person followed them. They rolled down the window to apologize to then be shot. The final story to go on the, well, they were not in the best neighborhoods. They're not in the best area. There was three people that they got lost on the way to a friend's house. And they U-turned. And they, unfortunately, U-turned in someone's driveway. And the third car, or sorry, the second car to leave, uh, the homeowner came out and shot up the car. This is this one, right? This woman, yes. this woman. Yeah, I know. It's freaking crazy. I, did you hear that? This is I'm in. Reading, yeah, he that. shot her through the car. Yeah. yeah. This is in New York. Yeah. Yeah. I believe the cheerleader was in Texas and the teenager was in, yeah, it's in Washington. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. So my point with this is that we made mistakes. Uh, the, the final story that I, I did not have linked uh, because this happened uh, yesterday like was a six-year-old was shot because they were playing basketball and the basketball went onto the lawn. Now, the caveat on this is the people that did these shootings, that did these attempted murders, and in one case, unfortunately, murder, they all did break the law. They all, if found, will most likely be guilty of a crime and go away. Great those lines still be damaged, luckily again, in a few cases, them being able to live. But the undoing of a life is something that we have determined should be held in the most limited of examples and in other countries is outright banned. So I just want to give a pause to talk on the emotions on that. I know it is very heavy. The viewers probably should have given you a warning. My no, I feel like there could just be bullets flying everywhere. But the truth is, for years, I've been thinking, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more like in supermarkets and different stuff like that. Like, I've asked happen in supermarkets. No, I've everywhere. just been, it, it is now, but like, I would say about after Sandy Hook, maybe like, you know, a couple of years after that, I was convinced that then it was just, just, I don't understand why it's not happening everywhere, all the malls, all the stuff. And it does happen. But it isn't, it isn't, it could be happening more for the amount of guns that are out there and the amount it of public spaces. Every day. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's I, happening just, more than once a day. I'm yeah. reading, I'm reading about, so the gun purchasing rising during the pandemic and racial justice protests, it says nearly 20% of American households bought a gun between March of 2020 and March of 2022 and about 5% or one in 20 Americans bought a gun for the first time in that two year period. So one in five American households bought a gun in a, just a two-year period. I mean, that just that, that's a lot. That yeah. tells you yeah. how distrustful people are of their of their neighbor, of the people around them. And if what's the age? That like, many do you people know, feel the need to go out and buy a weapon. Do you know, like any of you, what the numbers are in terms of Gen Zers buying buying guns? I imagine it's. I think it's across. It's like across if you the think board. that I did not get that statistic uh, in preparation of this. I'm curious if it's proportionate. Like if it's proportional, uh, we can't own guns. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. probably it's probably not because guns you need to be twenty one to own a gun. 
Well, right, um, but Gen Z or, is 21. Yeah, but Gen Z. I, I, would, I would imagine that it's it's probably a little bit older people because guns are expensive and young people don't necessarily have the money to be going out and buying tons of guns. But Plus, they could just take them from their families. Right. So, I mean, so at least us being poor is kind of saving us. <laughs> well, just, I mean, just, you know, young people just generally don't have, especially if you're going out and buying like an expensive, guns can be $1,000 in some cases, you know, so not. Yeah. But, again, again to, to, to bring things back, um, we, again, on our gun deaths, there's access to guns. We, of course, have access to guns. That's not what the point is. Uh, again, with the suicide rates, those are high. But my point is is that here is the source of like, you know, okay, it deeply affects you when it's, you know, close by. But talking, but mainly talking to, you know, the viewer, the listener of anyone who's here, that this is a circumstance where it's like, yes, are we likely to get shot no but again in the context of how we will die it is our most likely cause of death for something that is completely avoidable cancer is not avoidable car safety we're increasing it and it's still going down and that's fantastic and it's being mitigated as much as it can the deaths yeah well <laughs> and something i want to go back to yeah. Is that, so we were talking earlier about red flag laws um, as a part of gun control. A lot of people strike them down because they say, okay, well, good people have guns, bad people have guns. It's bad people who do the shoot- shootings, end of story. The original case we were talking about, about the man who shot that poor 13-year-old boy, he did not really have a criminal record. But if you look at his history, his grandson said that Everybody knew him as an infamous, hateful racist. But more importantly, his ex-wife said that he was extremely abusive to her and that the whole time she was with him, she feared for her life. We, as the United States, allowed somebody who made his wife feel like he was going to kill her to get weapons of death, tools of death in these guns. This death was, I mean, thank God it's not a death. This shooting was completely avoidable. But we said that we should let him have a gun. I mean, he beat his wife, almost killed her, but we should let him have a gun. Yeah, the domestic violence loophole is a problem. There, yeah. there's, there's no doubt that there is a correlation between particularly like male violence and, and the guns as well. You know, it's 60% of the mass shootings are done by people that have a domestic violence flag in their history. 60%. I believe that. So that is actually the it's, one most common denominator. 98% of them are men. So it's, well, it's, I thought it was a hundred cause I haven't seen a woman doing it yet, there's but been, there's been like a few, but, but 60% have domestic violence histories. Yeah. So, so it, that's a big one. It's, it's, you know, it's deeper than obviously mm-hmm. it isn't just guns. I mean, there's, there's clearly a subset of the population. That's the most it's, I mean, they say like the typical profile of a mass shooter is almost always a young disaffected white male. I mean, yeah. you know, now there are other types of gun violence that are committed by all racial groups, but but these mass the shooters, mass shooters, yeah, yeah, tend to be tend to be one particular group. And um, you know, why is that? Well, that's a good question. Why don't we? I, well, I, you I, guys I, are that. Why group? don't we? Talk? Yeah. So, so I like in 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 terms of that, like we we can absolutely have, and and this is a uh, future discussion topic that I'm planning on talking about is talking about again the descent uh, toward radicalism, uh, as well as feeling uh, uncared for uh, and unliked. Uh, But that is going to be something that we'll be talking more and more. Uh, I think that is like we were talking jokingly before about maybe you guys wouldn't be the best people to talk about race relations, but you guys are definitely the primo audience to be talking about why are so many of these young white men getting to this point? Because that is your group. Like that, unfortunately, is your guys's demographic. So, to and, and to the to that point, and again, we'll have a much yeah. you know deeper conversation. But my my shorthand response to that uh, is: we have mass shootings, and there is nothing that's done to it. Uh, a portion of us have student debt. Uh, that there is not much that can be done, or that is being done. We have the uh, existential threat of a climate crisis that is uh, facing us. Uh, 
We have the rollback of labor laws. We have a decrease in living standards. Uh, we have an increase in poverty. And there is not that much uh, to hope for. And when you're looking at all these things and looking at you know things that are on the rise, uh, yep, such, such as I, I know that you know, feminism is one of the things that's you know, blamed and scapegoated via feminism, trans people, the Jews, etc. That that level of things, like you can actually try to deal with the issues and see the hopelessness of it, or hey, we're doing you know X Y Z thing, but that will be again a full episode topic in the future. But Just talking it, about it, the types of things that lead to this to this yes. path. Cause I mean, there's, there's a lot, that's the thing. Yeah. Right? And all those things you listed, I feel like young white males are the least affected. By. I mean, like, you know, it's, that's it's true. Not, you would think they it's are counter, the least right? affected by poverty. And I mean, white males are like, uh, are, are the most economically privileged. So that's in an country. interesting dichotomy, right? So like, so what is that? It's not, you know, if, 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 if young, young people are being screwed financially. Uh, I, I agree. That's, I yes. agree. But of all the young people that are being the least screwed, white males are right. <laughs> you know, okay. I mean, they're, also, they're, the white males who are doing it usually don't come from affluent families or affluent areas. Usually, it does tend to be those on the lower spectrum. Um, so Jay was from all over. Though. Well, look at Adam Lanza. Yeah. Some of them I'm come from Adam Lanza, Sandy Hook, man. Some of them come from very wealthy families. Yeah, some of them. But the the the, the point here, and, and and this will also be like where we'll need to get more data to do the full episode. Yeah. Um, but the, the point is, is that trying to create an exclusion of, hey, here are all these social issues that are affecting everyone, and then saying, well, why are you upset about it when you, you know, you're the most privileged of them all. If everyone's getting screwed and you're not part of a, you know, very fortunate position then you're going to say, well, I'm being blamed by these people here. I'm being blamed by this. And I'm going to look toward the people that say it's not your fault and believe what they're going to say. That that, that would be the you know, answer to that. But again, I, I, I would need to go and find more. Yeah, and there's probably... Sorry, go ahead. There's a lot of variables. That's the point. And there's a yeah. lot of variables. It isn't one thing. But we definitely see trends. But the one thing that I did know about was that statistic about the domestic violence history, which seems to be the yep. one most, I'd say the most common denominator amongst the mass shooters yep. um, that, that I've seen. I don't know if you guys have seen any other real commonality where you could find a solution. Because to me, that's how Access you find solutions. To guns. That's not changing. That's the problem. Well, and so, the thing about, you know, those other social pressures, there's poverty in every country. Some countries way worse than here. There's student loans, yeah. there's dictatorships. There's not school shooters in those countries. I'd like to posit that. Where is the access to guns? No, yeah. you're right. But that's not something we're going to be able to fix. They're already out there. That ship sailed. But what we, I would say, though, the biggest issue isn't poverty. No, the biggest issue is income in and wealth inequality. Those issues, the inequality of wealth, is way more of a determining factor towards crime, violence, all of that, than is just poverty in and of itself. It has to be relative to the other, to the wealthy aspect of the population. So, so John, you, you're saying that that ship is set. Um, oh, there's just more guns than people. Okay. That's what there, I mean. There is more guns than people. Correct. Yeah. The thing exactly. that I am bringing up yeah. for the next segment of this is we have continued to roll back the little gun regulation that we do have. There is the ability to have greater gun regulation. Oh, absolutely. In the form of red flag laws that are getting more and more popular as time goes on and are more popular amongst younger generations. But in terms of you know laws that have expanded this gun violence, because gun violence has been on the rise, gun violence has been going up. It has not been stagnating. It's not a, this you know, that ship has sailed, continuing to get worse. No, the ship that has sailed is is banning, reining in actual physical Reining guns. in versus banning is you know, two different circumstances. Well, you can do like voluntary buybacks. They don't generally have a lot of success. I would I, but we can still have regulation on gun trade yeah. shows. We yeah. can still have regulation. The thing that I want, that I'm bringing up here, and this is another thing that I have a link for, 
is that simply having standard ground laws oh, yeah. increases gun deaths. In Florida, uh, which granted, we have millions of people in the state, uh, but in Florida, since standard ground laws have been implemented, has led to an excess of 700 gun deaths a year because yeah. of the perception that, oh, I can use the justification of I fear for my life, even in the uh, even in cases where it does not apply and they still get convicted of murder. <clears throat> the p- idea that, oh, well, I was simply standing my ground leads to an increase in these deaths. Yeah. And that sort of thing and those continued laws and trying to at least go back to 2005, at least go back to 2000, at least go back a little bit to things where it's, no, you cannot use I feared for my life as a justification for murder, for capital punishment. Those are the sorts of things that I am most concerned about. Having simply red flag laws, having cartridge bumps, uh, and having, again, a reduction in this there are many, many steps to go. And so again, I, 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 I don't necessarily want to get too heated when it comes to the conversation, but to say, well, that ship has sailed and there's- No, what I'm talking on. about is gun production and guns out into the universe. And when your country, all you manufacture is weapons and war is your business, and that's what we do, to think that we're going to stop the manufacturing of those weapons is just, it's it's- it won't happen until there's the end of our empire. It'll be the end of the empire will be when they stop manufacturing weapons. Wait, you cut off the supply and eventually all the guns will start to expire over time. They're not going to last forever. They need maintenance. I, you know. It, yeah, but you, you're not going to get a warmongering empire to stop supplying weapons. You can create laws. I agree. The stand your ground. I agree with all those regulations. And just personally, I'm not a gun owner because I don't, I don't like any of that. But I'm just saying you can't be a warmongering, militarized empire that is bullying around the entire world and not expect violence at home. And when that is your number one industry, to think that it's not going to be here is just, that's what I mean. That ship sailed. We are the most violent empire to ever be on the face of the earth. And I think that that might have something to do with our with our shooting problem too, is that, you know, it's sort of ingrained in, in so many Americans' minds. Yep that they have this vigilante right to, you know, dominate over territories and over their own. It's, it's, it's psychological. I feel like to a certain degree more, you know, that, that maybe isn't as ingrained in minds, in the minds of people in other countries, you know, like Japan, I read somewhere that the, the, like the gun violence rate of, of, of like Japanese Americans who overall in the United States tend to do quite well economically is still it's like six times higher than it is in Japan, uh, you know, among like Japanese people. And it's just to say that like, it, you know, across the economic spectrum, as soon as people get to this country, something changes and they and they become just statistically so much more likely to be involved in this type of violence. And and so so what is going on within the borders of our country that is not, you know, because this really is there's a lot of issues I feel like where, where things are, are across the board. And this is something that we need a global effort on climate change and poverty and all those things, war. But, but this, this really is such a unique thing to our country. You know, we're, we're, we're the only country with any sort of similar level of economic development and industrialization that has this problem. So, so we really have to be looking at like, what's different here than, than what we're And doing CJ's elsewhere. right. What's different here is the guns and lots and lots of them. I'd say, though, if we want to look at the root of the problem, there are three letters to look at, NRA and all of the other lobbyist groups for guns, because this problem, if we look at it from a lobbying perspective, the same can be said for almost anything else in American society. Like we know that as Americans, our diets are horrible. That's why we're all having heart attacks and dying early. It's because of the food lobbyists, Um, our health care way down, lower than any other country. More Americans die because they can't afford healthcare and the government does nothing. Why? Because of the healthcare industry lobbyists. When you look at the gun violence epidemic, it's because any time a bunch of kids are shot up in a school or 
the suicide rate goes up and people take their own lives with a gun and it gets media attention, the NRA and the other groups pump money into the pockets of politicians and say, take this money, be cute, be pretty, and shut up and don't do anything. And if you, at this point, I feel like that lobbying group has been so successful. I mean, the NRA is in disarray right now. It's bankrupt. It had to move. It doesn't have any of the power it used to, but their long-term effect is so deep. I think it will take at least two or three generations before it's undone. Yeah. They used to be a legitimate organization, just so you guys are aware. I don't know if you guys are aware. Like when I was a kid, the NRA was really just like hunting enthusiasts. It was, it was old school conservative Republicans that like their guns for hunting. You know what I mean? But now it is literally just the lobbying arm of the gun manufacturers. So it it has changed and and very many like so many of those organizations. Well, that, and I yeah. know like a lot of people that were NRA people that haven't been for years. They they're not affiliated with that anymore because it stopped being a hunting enthusiast organization. And I think it's also important to not gloss over the the history that our country has with marginalized groups using firearms as a as a means of of self-defense like you look at especially in florida like we had something called the ocala hunting and fishing club which was like back in the days of jim crow in in northern florida that was a a, a group of like black sharecroppers who literally had to defend themselves their crops and their land by any means necessary against you know so like against tyrannical sheriffs and and landowners and things like that so it's there is a complicated lynchings and, lynchings other sort and of all stuff. of that yeah and there wasn't and that was before the semi-automatics and so it was when guns were not as powerful as they are now um but there is a complicated history with that the black panthers you know there's so many groups that have used guns and, and there's an argument uh, on the left that says well don't disarm the people until you disarm the police kind of thing like if you're gonna if why, why should we not have guns if the cops have the gun to with the ability to kill us uh, well we'll definitely and, cj we're definitely gonna have to have an abolition episode yeah well uh, and, and again on on going back yeah. to the root causes and yeah. this is to again highlight the statement of i like having some level of gun control regulation is the access to guns to that is basically unfiltered in states that have higher restrictions on access to guns, they have lower shooting rates per capita. They still are not necessarily as low because it is easy to go to Arizona, for example. I believe it's Arizona. Well, or, like you, you can know, go from state to state, Saint right? Louis, like St. Louis has the highest gun uh, homicide rate in the country, I believe. Yes, you can go and get a gun from a different state and then bring that in which is the reason why you advocate for federal regulation. Uh, but again, to, to, to say, oh, well, you know, there is nothing that can be done that ship has sailed, uh, and I, I feel is... I think you're misinterpreting what I was talking about. Like, I think lots of regulations can be done. I just think yeah. in terms of banning the guns or getting rid of existing guns, that that is not going to happen. I think that there can be many regulations. Um, and I support most of them. I don't have a problem with any of that. And, and again, that, that's what I was saying with the access to guns is the you know, major part. Uh, the also to the point of, uh, hey, you know, we have you know, minority groups that have you know, used guns in their defense. Uh, I, I also stand again with the point of you know, capital punishment being one of the worst things. And I do have a, a wrap up segment to then get us into next week, but I wanted to still open the board for uh, closing thoughts and statements from the rest of the group first. This is your guy. I feel like not that it's your guys's fight. It's all of our fight, but we are like already we're baked to some extent where we are in terms of like our, you guys are in a position where you just do not have to tolerate this crap. You know what I, I, mean? I feel like we could have two more episodes just on this topic. It, it, there's, there's so many statistics and nuances I think to dive into that are so important to truly understanding the, because again, like the number one thing I think about is like, yes, gun, going back to the 63% of gun deaths being suicides, that alone is a huge, I think, thing about just access to firearms in, in one's own home. For ages one to 18. Right. No, no, no. That was across the, the nation. It said it was 63% of gun deaths like in America, period, are suicide. are, are suicides. Yeah. And, and that, so, 
I mean, that just taking care of that wipes away a huge chunk of the problem. And um, so, you know, but 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 at the same time, per, like person to person gun violence, individualized gun violence, gang violence, all those things are extremely nuanced. They're concentrated in very specific parts of the country in very specific cities. They tend to be, you know, like the suburbs don't have nearly the same level of gun homicide rate, even though they have like lone wolf school shootings, they don't have the day-to-day gun violence rate that other communities are having to deal with. So there's just so many facets of the issue. And and, um, there's so many specific things that have to be addressed before you can really tackle that number as a whole. Brayden? Before we go, I want to tell a story that I briefly got into right before we came on air. So in college, I study international relations. So a lot of my professors are diplomats or used to be. So they have contacts all over the globe. And a few weeks ago, I want to say two after the Tennessee school shooting, obviously so sad that we have to like scroll through the list of shootings that have happened and be like, oh, yeah, one. Um my one of my professors was sharing that she was just talking with one of her friends who works as a government official in Cameroon. So if you know anything about Cameroon, it's a West African nation. It's unfortunately a dictatorship. There's gang violence. There's some political violence. Poverty's everywhere. But my professor said that this government official and the others were physically laughing at us at the United States. And they were saying mm-hmm. like, We have a whole host of issues like you could go on and on about everything that's facing our country, but you have absolutely no moral authority to judge us when you're watching your kids be massacred in school shooting after school shooting after school shooting year after year after year and you're not doing anything about it. So our very first Gen Z report, I talked about how we as Americans usually talk about Mexico as being this dangerous place. Look at the map. The United States has had 288 school shootings for whatever time period. Mexico had eight, 280 less. So put your United States, our government officials, put your priorities in order. You can talk about whatever issues you want, but there have to be future generations actually alive to see the policy that you implemented. And if you keep things going the way that they are, there isn't going to be that generation. Why? Because we're going to be dead in our classrooms. This is crazy. It's, it is wild because, you know, you hear like looking at the map that, and, and seeing, crazy. you know, like the, the countries with the highest um, rates of, of gun violence are, you know, like Caracas and in and, and El Salvador, these countries that have extremely high murder rates, extremely high rates of gang <clears throat> violence and drug trafficking. And yet like, even in their schools, it's safer than our school. That's definitely, that's just, and well, well, well yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, looking at this, it's kind of just nuts. I actually feel bad for Alaska, man. Like they don't deserve to be lumped and, in with us. Most of them, most of that doesn't even have people in it. And one other weird, like outlier that I found on that document was talking about how like the, the number one country in the whole world for, uh, suicide rate per capita which it was more than double the follow like the second country was greenland like it had a they've got seasonal depression issues i don't know well but but so does a lot of countries i know they they, they had like a really really it was like 16 per hundred thousand it's seasonal depression uh as well as uh population sparsity uh isolation humans are very i think they might be they might be uniquely impacted by like alcoholism too and other types of like specific issues also what is the level of their indigenous population because that's yeah yeah i mean if i lived in greenland i'd be an alcoholic just saying yeah Yeah, but i mean i'm saying but then you go right over to like sweden which is is a similar yeah but the populations are different but that's what you they don't have to yeah it's it's population density but that that that's like we we can absolutely have a yeah, suicide episode. Can, hey, you talked about uh, gun violence. Was, oh, hey, let's talk. <laughs> we'll about, be like the number um, one uplifting show. I'm pretty sure on Alaska Thursdays. also has the highest suicide rate of any state. So I mean, it does. Yes. It is. It's it does bad. Correspond. Also, uh, high yeah. indigenous population. Yep. So so okay. So I mean, again, we'll 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 get into. Okay. All right. You want to close? You want to yes. wrap? So okay. the prep that I have is that. Uh, again, but for for me, one one of the other big big things, and especially when it comes to you know trying to have stand your ground, is is that even in cases where let's where you could definitely make a good argument that this shooting was justified, if someone was trying to break into your home and trying to rob it, uh, 
if you were to shoot them at your house, then it's okay. That would be a case where you'd be justified. However, you're still issuing capital punishment for the crime of robbing a house, which would instead be, I'm, I'm not sure how many years of jail time, but it would be jail time if the house was empty uh, and or if there was space for that. Of course, there is the you know, potential danger for human life, but if someone is trying to rob your house, it's they're probably also not looking to kill you. Well, uh, are you talking about burglary or are you talking about robbery? I'm 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 talking about uh, if there's people within, present. Within okay, because if there's people present, it's a robbery. But yeah, but it, it, if you're also you know on the street and again someone's using a gun to try to rob you, that still is in a circumstance where that is not something that is hit with capital punishment. However, in the state of Florida, we have recently passed, uh, or, or I, I don't know if it's been passed, we've proposed a law that will allow uh, capital punishment to not only be on a unanimous, unanimous vote, but can potentially make it so you can get a uh, death sentence within eight, uh, instead of eight to four, eight, eight, eight jury, uh, eight, an eight person jury vote yeah. instead of a unanimous vote. Yeah. We also have passed a law that said, hey, instead of only uh, murders that we can have capital punishment, we want to have that to uh, sex crimes. Okay. Children, you know, under the age of, children under the age of six, I think. What was the age so, that they, something like that? 12. 12? And Florida capital. has also passed or, or is proposing to pass a law that will make it so dressing in clothes that is not of your gender in the presence of children is a sex crime. Mm. So next week, we're going to be talking about the slew of anti-trans, a little bit on LGBT, Ooh. but mostly anti-trans laws that have been attempted to be passed, proposed, and passed in various different states. So... You want to listen to our Metalopoly, shield yourself next week. I don't want to see your nastiness in the comments section. You so, come from Peter and me on Monday and Wednesday. You leave these kids alone. Thank you. So, so to, to, you know, talking about, Hey, we have grown up uh, as a generation that has grown <laughs> up with gay marriage being legal. And that has grown up with actually having friends that have been able to comfortably transition. And this is what we are now being faced with. So join us all next week. I'll yeah, you're you on there. with that metalopathy. Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming, guys. All right. Thank Bye. you. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.